Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Storytime with the Mod Podcast, episode 47. I'm going to start this episode off first and foremost by saying if you are not registered to vote, go do that. Um, I'm not going to turn this into a political conversation or a political podcast, but um, the midterm elections are coming up. And I personally just think it's important to exercise your right to vote. You have several celebrities out here, Cardi B, different people, which surprised me a little bit, but out here telling people to vote. Um, And this this midterm election, I think, will be one of the biggest that we've seen in quite some time, probably in my lifetime. Honestly, just given all of the uh, the news cycle, the back and forth, the turmoil, the uproar, the, the all these things you could say. Um, but I'll just leave it at that. Go register to vote. Make sure you exercise your right. Um, and, we'll, and we'll go from there. Moving right along. Um, so last week they announced that Maroon 5 will be headlining the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl performance this coming February in Atlanta. Um, there was a lot of talk last year when, when the announcement was made, or actually it was known prior to to the last Super Bowl that this coming Super Bowl would be in Atlanta. And you had a lot of people coming out talking about the artists that should have been uh, selected to headline the Super Bowl given the rich history of music in Atlanta, especially when it comes to hip hop. You had people like Bruno Mars coming out and saying that, you know, they should they should get a just a, a lineup of Atlanta artists to headline the Super Bowl and the NFL goes and fucking gets Maroon 5. Um nothing against Maroon 5 personally. I don't know that many of their songs. I know the dude Adam Levine is their lead singer, I believe. Um and I really know him more from the voice than anything, but I know he's their lead singer. I honestly don't know any of their songs off the top of my head. I'm sure if I heard some of them, I may know them, but I don't know any of their songs off the top of my head. But it's just, again, I think a disrespect to a certain degree um, of the hip hop culture that you don't get somebody like Outkast, you don't get somebody like T.I., you don't get somebody like Young Jeezy, you don't get somebody like Ludacris, you don't get somebody like Jermaine Dupri, um, you don't get somebody like Usher, I could go on and on the number of acts um, within the hip hop and R&B realm that are from Atlanta that would be great selections to headline the Super Bowl. And the even crazier thing is, if you think from a business standpoint, this was an opportunity for the NFL who um, has been very much maligned in the hip hop African-American urban community over the last couple of years due to the Colin Kaepernick situations and how they responded to the kneeling. This was an opportunity, even if you think strictly from a business standpoint, for them to maybe try to get some fanfare back by saying, okay, let's take a step out here and get one of these hip hop acts to headline so that they bring their, that that uh, set of fans back. So they bring those people back to at least watch that and at least enroll um, in watching the Super Bowl. And, and you can make the argument that some of the more popular artists from Atlanta more recently uh, folks like the Migos, folks like Gucci Man, etc., um, maybe aren't the most, you know, th- their crossover appeal maybe isn't as big. And that's what they typically look for when they're selecting 
um, the headliner for the Super Bowl. But I think if you took an outcast, outcast has a big enough reach, has a big enough fan base, um, is well known enough, has done enough in music. I think they they would be recognized by many um, and would put on a great show. If you took somebody like T.I., he doesn't have as much of the crossover as Outkast, but he has songs with pop artists that he could feature, that he could bring on. Um, and then if you did a whole lineup where you where you featured a number of Atlanta artists between all of them, you know, Usher has crossover appeal. You could you could bring a whole lineup and it would really, you know, be something special. Um, and then I hear that Maroon 5 is going to bring, I think it's Cardi B and Travis Scott, which then you can make the argument if Travis Scott is going to be featured, then somebody like the Migos could also definitely be featured. They have the same type of profile and, and are of the same, um, you know, rank when it comes to where they stand in the hip hop, <coughs> where they stand in the hip hop game currently. So really overall, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Um, but you know, it is what it is. I'm not surprised by it because again, the hip hop culture is constantly disrespected and even them bringing Cardi and Travis Scott out to perform during the show, I'm sure it'll be very limited spots. Um, so it won't be like they're very prominent in the show. And I just think it's a very, um, it's disappointing to see when the game is in a city like Atlanta that could feature hip hop heavily. They don't do it. So it would make you think that they would never really do it if they don't do it there. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm not going to watch the Super Bowl. I probably won't watch the halftime show. Honestly, I'll use that time to, uh, you know, take a break, refresh drinks and, and, and food and shit like that. But um, I would have loved to see some hip hop motherfuckers up there doing their thing uh, on a the, on the stage like that. Um, but, you know, on the flip side, fuck the NFL and uh, they need to get Colin Kaepernick back. And we're going to talk about the NFL a little bit more, but got to get to the next biggest thing, the elephant in the room, um, the elephant in the news. And that's uh, Mr. Clifford Huxtable, uh, better known by his real name, of course, Mr. Bill Cosby, who was sentenced last week to three to 10 years in prison for, I believe it was three counts of sexual assault or rape. I don't know exactly what the verbiage they used was, but it essentially stemmed from the story that everyone, you know, has been following for a few years now where the women started coming out saying that, you know, in the late eighties or in the eighties and the seventies back in the day that Bill Cosby was drugging women and sexually assaulting them. And these three convictions, um, were just a few of the many number of women that accused him. So I don't even know if there's more to come. I don't know if they're going to pursue the other, uh, there's like 50 something women, but um, I'm honestly a little surprised that he was convicted. Um, and let me first say that, let me first say that by no means do I say that to, to say that I think he's innocent. Um, I think rape, and I've, I've talked about this on this podcast before, I think rape is one of the most despicable uh, crimes that a, a person can commit. Um, I think you have to be a very sick individual to rape someone in any way, shape, or form, um, especially to drug someone, um, incapacitate them, and take advantage of that. Um, I don't even care that, you know, you hear a lot of people say that those were the times back then, there was a lot of that going on. Um, I, I I don't care. I don't think that matters. 
Um, I think you have to be very sick to do some shit like that. And it's just, it's a bit crazy to me that for a man to be out there doing what Bill Cosby was doing, but to still be able to portray himself as Clifford Huxtable the way that he did. And I understand that it's acting and I understand that people can put on different faces, but it's a little creepy to me personally that a person could live like that, um, be living a life like that, but then able to portray such a wholesome character um, on a television screen. And maybe that's just the way my mind works. But um, it's, it's, I'm, I'm, the reason why I'm a little surprised by it is because one of how old he is, he's 85, I believe. So you question how much it is, you know, not to wish death on a man, but you question how much it is he's even going to make it through. Um, and then just the fact that, you know, there wasn't necessarily a whole, whole lot of evidence, even though I believe that he did it. I believe he was guilty and I believe that's the reason he got convicted. But there wasn't a whole, whole lot of evidence. So there could have been a case made um, to get him off. And usually with people, you know, who have power and money, uh, they find a way. And maybe it's just the fact that his power is diminished. Um, I would imagine his money hasn't, but maybe it's just the fact that his power is diminished that it didn't play a part. But um, I was a little surprised when I first heard about it. The three to 10 year sentence is a little interesting to me because I don't know, you know, I'm not well versed enough in criminal law and sentencing to know what, you know, what that type of charge carries. But if he was convicted on three counts, that just seems low to me. Um, and then especially for rape, I just feel like rape or sexual assault. I feel like if that is what the the um, sentencing laws call for, it should be more, I feel like. So that that's a bit surprising. And then there's this other factor, again, of these are only three of the women. So I don't know what happens with the rest of them. If those cases now still proceed, if he goes on trial while he's incarcerated or what exactly happens. Um, but again, I don't know how much it is he's going to be able to make it through just in general, given the state that he's in now and in his age and everything. Um, usually in cases like this with people of that age, when this type of stress and, and stuff falls on their shoulders, they, they don't last very much longer. And again, not to wish death on a man, even though he did some heinous, disgusting shit, I, I wouldn't wish death on him. But um, it'll be interesting to see how long he survives with all of that. Um. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just a little, you know, just going back to when it all first initially broke a few years ago, it's just very disappointing, again, to to know that somebody who was such a figurehead, such a prominent figure, um, such an influential figure, uh, somebody that inspired and motivated a lot of people, uh, a large majority of, of young black folks growing up in that time when the Cosby show was on, when the different world came on, you hear a lot of you hear a lot of black folks um say that a different world inspired them to go to college, inspired them to go to HBCUs the way that they did with the portrayal of Hillman, Hillman College. And just being such an influential person and, and it's weird and it's, it's strange to have to look at him now and, and know that his legacy will not be any of those things, but it'll be somebody that took advantage of women in such a disgusting way. And, um, you know, I don't think, I don't think that his, his heinous acts necessarily take away from his influence and what he was able to do as that figure that he was. Um, but it definitely just, again, makes me kind of cringe and is a little strange and creepy to me that he was able to kind of play those two worlds that way. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just a shame. Um, but I guess at least if nothing else, we got, we got those influence out of it. Um, because 
even to this day, I don't know that there's a, a family, a black family that was portrayed on TV that's been portrayed better than the Cosby family was, um, the Huxtable family was with, you know, a doctor, a lawyer, kids who went to college, um, you know, owning their own home, um, just being a very positive representation of, of what a black family is on television um, in a time where even even now, up to now, in, in times where you really didn't see that a lot and that wasn't what was featured and wasn't what was uh, pushed out in the entertainment industry in Hollywood. So uh, it's a shame. Like I said, some disgusting shit. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talk about just with the climate now and, and how things are going. And it feels like you hear about, you know, one of these cases or, or some type of action of this sort every other week or if not every week. And, you know, it's 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 really sad. And I just hope that hope one that it stops, that all this, this shit just just stops and it dudes learn. to. I don't even know. I don't even know what it is. Like, I don't know what I don't know what possesses a man to grow up and, and become that and do those type of things. But um, hopefully all of the women that have gone through these things um, can heal have the strength to to move on and proceed and I don't even really know the words to say because I I can't imagine what that must feel like um and I've seen a lot of just conversation around it on Facebook and things like that in recent weeks um even more with the Kavanaugh situation but um it's it's just a shame that this happens and it happens so much and my thoughts, prayers, and positivity to all of the women who have ever experienced that and hoping that, again, it ceases and that you all can heal from it and, uh, you know, not have to face ridicule and scrutiny and people not believing it. So, uh, we'll leave that there. I I don't really like talking about shit like that because it's just such a, such a disgusting topic. Um, moving right along, the next thing I thought this was this was something that I found interesting and it was really something that I started thinking about as I was um, reading about Kelly Bryant, the quarterback from Clemson um, or former quarterback from Clemson who uh, was benched last week. It was announced this past week that Kelly Bryant, who was a senior quarterback at Clemson, had waited behind Deshaun Watson to play for several years, um, that he was going to be benched. Um, and no longer have his starting spot. And they were going to uh, start the freshman whose name is escaping me for some reason right now. But um, what I was reading mostly about was the fact that Kelly Bryant then decided that he was going to transfer from Clemson. And I was reading a lot of posts, a lot of articles, a lot of just things on social media. And there was a lot of mixed feelings about it. Some people saying, oh, well, he should honor his commitment to that team and stay there. What if they need him? In the future, and interestingly enough, um, the kid, uh, the freshman, who's, who again's name escaping me at the moment, got hurt this past Saturday, a few days after it was announced he would be the starter. He got a concussion, so he'll be back. But they ended up having to go to their third-string quarterback because Kelly Bryant wasn't there. Now, they ended up winning the game, um, but it was a significant drop-off, a noticeable drop-off from you know their one-and-two quarterback to this third kid. Now, a lot of people were saying, again, he should honor his commitment. What if the team needs him? Um, you know, he made a commitment and he should stay there. 
And then there are other people who were saying, you know, they, they he lost his starting job. Really, he didn't do anything necessarily negatively to lose the job. He just didn't do enough positively to keep it, some would say. Um, but there was a lot of people saying, well, he has the right to transfer and he should do what's best for him. And it got me just to thinking about over like the last year or so, how many athletes, and this has happened more in the professional athlete realm, but how many athletes have just taken uh, their own destiny into their hands? And the, the, a couple that came to mind for me, outside of like LeBron, who you know has driven his career very well and has made a few decisions along the way, but outside of him, you know, making the decisions he's made to go play in these different places that he has, a, a few that came to mind for me were Kyrie Irving, who you know, basically demanded a trade from the Cavaliers, ended up now on the Celtics, a much better team at this current moment, um, a great outlook for his future, able to lead a team, able to potentially uh, be in the championship scenario. Kawhi Leonard, who, you know, obviously his story was pretty well chronicled, how he was able to get himself out of San Antonio um, to Toronto now, but he'll be a free agent this coming summer, so he'll be able to dictate, you know, where he goes from there. Uh, Jimmy Butler recently, who has demanded a trade from Minnesota. Um, you know, we'll see where he ends up. But again, able to say, I don't want to play here and, and you know, get me out of here. Le'Veon Bell, who is one of the more prominent um, of recent news as Le'Veon Bell is sitting out in what is, what is really an unprecedented move, sitting out um, the first four weeks of the NFL season. Uh, holding out because he wants a bigger contract, and and there's many, there's much to say within the NFL ring realm about how they don't get a lot of guaranteed money. Being a running back, how much he gets hit, um, how much they put their bodies on the line, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he's made some comments to the effect of he's making a stand for for himself and for future players and for other players. Um, and then you look at just this past Sunday, Earl Thomas, the safety for the Seahawks who fractured his leg, um, who also held out for a while looking for money. And as he was getting carted off the field this Sunday, he threw up a middle finger to the sideline. And there's been a lot of commentary around the fact that there's an example of a guy who uh, held out for more money, didn't get it, came out and played. Um, and apparently there were some trade offers on the table for him to get him out of Seattle and potentially get him that money he was seeking. Now he has a fractured leg. Um, which will surely hurt his chances of getting the money he was looking for. Um, but he came out on behalf of the team. He honored his commitment, like people always say, and he ended up, he will be the only one that suffers as a result of it because now he has a broken leg that he has to heal from, rehab from, and hope to get back to playing at a level that will get him the money that he's seeking. And Le'Veon Bell commented on it, um, you know, basically saying, see, you know, this, this is what I'm talking about. Bobby Wagner, one of his teammates, and Seattle commented on it, um, you know, making the point that if, if you sit out, you're a bad guy. But if you come play and you get hurt, you're stupid. So it really just got me thinking about, you know, the, the amount of control that athletes have in this day and time. Um, whereas when I was a kid growing up in the 90s and, and you saw players, one, most of them just played for one team their entire career, whether it was in the NFL or NBA. Um, and you never really saw guys demanding trades or at least it never happened out in the open like it does now. Maybe it happened behind the scenes some, but I just think it's interesting to see how we're in an era where players can largely dictate, you know, what they're going to do and where they want to go. 
And then I think when you add in the social media aspect that gives them a way to voice their opinions and get their voices out there, they can also kind of force a team's hand in a way. Um, it's very interesting. So we'll continue to watch. They announced yesterday that Le'Veon Bell plans to come back during week seven, uh, which is the Steelers bye week. There's also been announcements saying that they've been shopping him. Uh, they're, they've been listening to trade talks. So it's very interesting to see how it all plays out. But it's just, I think, intriguing to see how players in both of the two major sports in the NBA and the NFL have started to really dictate and drive their own careers. And I personally think it's great because you play for these teams, you play for these fans, and if something happens to you, they don't give a fuck about you. If they cut you, nobody gives a fuck. Um, they'll ship you around however they want. But anytime a guy demands something for himself, people get all up in arms about it. So I personally think it's a it's a great thing. And hey, if you got the talent to be able to dictate and people gonna put up with it, then fuck it, do it. You know, who am I to tell you not to get your money, take care of your family, take care of your body, take care of your mind, especially for those in the NFL. If you can reduce the amount of times you get hit and still get your money, then by all means, go fucking do it. One final note on the NFL, Eric Reed, um, partner, kneeling partner, I'll refer to him as to Colin Kaepernick was signed by the Carolina Panthers this week. Um, First of all, it shouldn't have taken this long for Eric Reed to get signed, but um, it is it is a great sign to see it happen. Um, kudos to the Carolina Panthers for picking him up, knowing that he's going to kneel, knowing what he stands for, knowing that he's going to speak out. Um, I saw a tweet of theirs in support of him and his, his right to speak freely. Uh, so shout out to them and good for them. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing him play at a high level and showing why he should have been on the team much sooner than this. But um, also continuing to highlight the injustices and the, and the protests that him and Colin started uh, several years ago and continuing to support Colin um, at his press conference he had on the I'm with Cap shirt. Um, I know those guys will stay close and continue to push. And uh, it's just a pleasure to see guys like that. Um, staying true to what they believe in, even in the face of trying to be blackballed from the league and even in the face of once a team brings you back, not conforming or not um, silencing yourself to try to play nice, but continuing to push that agenda and continuing to push, you know, the narrative that we need equality and we need justice. So shout out to Eric Reed, shout out to the Panthers, and hopefully he plays at a high level and shows all these motherfuckers why he should have been on the roster at the beginning of the season and shouldn't have had to wait this long. All right. Um, I don't even really want to speak on this that much, but it's it was such prominent news again. This motherfucker was such prominent news again. I kind of feel like I have to. Um, but fucking Kanye. Kanye. And it's I feel like an idiot to a certain degree because I know he manipulates the media and manipulates the audience for us to talk about him like this. And I'm feeding into it by doing it. But I just have to, like, make sure that my stance and my thoughts on this shit is known. Um, he went on Saturday Night Live and talked about the fucking Make America Great Again hat and how he's transforming it into love. And I heard a great point that was made um, by Joe Button on the Joe Button podcast where he said, if you if you make the statement that you're transforming a hat into something to love, then you're acknowledging that it's something that's being used for hate. So to make that acknowledgement and continue to support the guy that promotes it 
um, says a lot about you. Then Kanye's dumbass came out and said the shit that he said about the 13th Amendment, but then came back and said he didn't mean it to say that way, mean it mean to say it that way. And all the while, um, there's announcements being made that he's got an album coming out on Black Friday. First, it was last week. Then it was Black Friday. Uh, for the record, I still haven't listened to that last shit he put out. People have been asking me about that and what my thoughts are. Still haven't listened to that shit. Won't listen to that shit. Not listening to no new shit. Um, I have no interest in hearing any music and purchasing anything that Kanye offers and supporting anything that Kanye does. Um, again, I don't even feel like I should be talking about him this much, but I, I do. I'm a feed into that part of it, but I'm not supporting, especially not with my money, any shit that Kanye West does. He made some statements about wanting to bring jobs to America, uh, bring jobs back to Chicago. Fine, do all that shit. Um, give people, give back to the community you came from. Give back to the people that have supported you for so long. But I'm not going to be one of those people that's going to buy into the shit that he's saying because I don't believe he's sincere in anything that he says. He only talks like this when he got some shit coming out. And I don't believe he's sincere. I don't, at this point, I don't even know his mental state. Um, again, I would never wish ill on anyone. So I hope that, you know, his well-being is okay. He's, his health is okay, but I just have no interest in indulging in any of the shit that, that he pushes out at this point. Cause it's just gotten so fucking ridiculous and it's so disappointing because it's such a far cry from the guy that we once knew. And I don't, I really don't know. It, it really makes me wonder sometimes if Hollywood and, and LA or the Kardashians or whatever, or, the, or a combination of all three really has a way of corrupting people and turning them into some weird shit that, you know, none of us really understand. Dave Chappelle has a stand up that he did many years ago where he, he kind of pointed out the fact that he, he said, look at how many people have gone to Hollywood and, and gone crazy. And it, it really makes you wonder if there's something to that because it just it's just so fucking strange that a guy like Kanye West who stood for what he stood for, even in light of his mom passing unexpectedly, and I know that that happened and I, I know that's traumatic, um, but I, I don't understand how that would make you change your entire stance and your moral compass would get thrown off that much that you could start to say and do some of the things that he's done in recent years and in recent months. And so it's really just disappointing I really don't want to talk about that motherfucker no more. Um, and yeah, it's just, I just wish they would stop giving him a fucking microphone at this point because it, it just, oh my God, it's sickening. It's really just fucking sickening. Um, so yeah, I mean, let, let me not in the, let me not end the podcast though on such a sour note. Um, you know, I, I think, there's a lot of positive shit going on out here that we can focus on. And if, and if there isn't in your immediate circle, in your immediate life, if you don't find anything in the news and in, 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 in entertainment or whatever it is to focus on positively, uh, just like I always say, you know, focus on the people around you that you love, you care about, pour your energy into them, have them pour it back into you. It'll come around, uh, tenfold and, and all those great things. Um, express gratitude, be happy, be positive, be prosperous. And, and, uh, not to end too abruptly, but hopefully y'all enjoyed listening to this shit as much as I enjoyed doing it. And again, until next time, stay positive, stay prosperous and stay exquisite beloved.